what would how would you feel if someone told you that they listened to this podcast and you asked them what they thought and they said that it was neat that's <laughs> <laughs> an answer my dad would give when he doesn't know what the hell he just listened to <laughs> would you think they actually listened to it uh, first of all i would never ask them what they thought of it Okay. <laughs> Nor would you ask them to listen to it, to be honest. So I would give, I would preempt the neat answer with something even like more shutdowny, which is like, oh, I, so, which is usually what I say when someone's like, I listen to your podcast. I go, oh. Oh, okay. So you, you're going to shut them down before they can. No, I don't want to hear what people think about this. <laughs> if people ever say that, they're like, oh, I listen to this. I'm like, oh, so you're the one. <laughs> Shh. Listeners, welcome to another episode of a free podcast. I'm your co-host Rob, joined as always by my uh, my good friends Joe and Duff. Hey guys, holiday, 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 holiday. That was my impression of Adam Sandler's impression of Madonna when he's really sad in the wedding scene. <laughs> I almost called you guys background dancers, and I didn't think that was the right thing to say. I didn't want to get us off to a, a bad start right away. Can my name be Slam? <laughs> you already have a cool nickname you can't go from duff to slam i don't i mean their slam is pretty sweet though it is cool um so we are continuing our discussion of rock docs last week we talked about um metallica um i i, I keep getting the name wrong i keep like writing like some kind of anger some kind of monster some uh, kind of saint anger monster <laughs> <laughs> and uh and today we are talking about Madonna's Truth or Dare. And if you get mad and you say Madonna isn't a rock star, she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There you go. So I'm you sure. cannot you cannot argue with that Jan Winner logic there. You win. You win. I mean, we stretched rock docs out enough already. I mean, we did an episode about the doors from the movie The Doors that Oliver Stone <laughs> yes. gets. Only for people that shell out a couple bucks, though. That's true. Yeah. But still, still, you know, you know, Gotta, it's our show. Who's the Dude. president on the ultra rare two dollar bill? Um, hmm. shoot, I can't remember. Uh, Let, let's say, let's say McKinley. Give us McKinley. No, it's um, no, nope, Thomas I'm Jefferson. It. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. Good call. Give Give us a Jeffo if you want to hear a about Jeffo. the Jeffo. <laughs> a TJ. <laughs> All right, hand so, over them TJs. Before we jump into Madonna, Truth or Dare, um. Uh, first off, Joe, truth or dare? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know how dares would work in this format. That uh, that would be like total Howard Stern energy. Yeah. When uh, was I talking to you guys about that? Or it was. Uh, yeah. I think we were yeah. talking about it last week uh, yeah. after we got done. Uh, yeah. When we were okay. Wow. Wow. She took her top off. Mm. Wow. You guys. Mm. You guys. Real? Her jugs wow. are out. I can totally see your areolas. <laughs> <laughs> And like okay. that was that was like the biggest thing for like two years in the nineties, and I, I cannot explain it. It's wild, <laughs> just people driving to work in the morning, being like, "Oh boy, sounds, those those sound like they would look really good." It's like, man, you hear about those chicks' jugs on the street show? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess part of it is people listening to him being like, "Wow, must be so cool to be him." And I mean, if your job is just to be like, "Wow, those are nice," for like four hours a day, three days a week, <laughs> yeah, and you make. 
and you're worth hundreds of millions of dollars. That that actually, I agree. Yeah, there's it, there's worse jobs out there. <laughs> so, um, so before we we jump into the actual, you know, what goes on on Truth or Dare, let's do what we did last week with sort of our story about this artist. So I'm gonna start with Duff this time. Duff, what is your Madonna relationship? So we were all born in. Uh, 1982 or 1983 and for me um, it's just kind of like one of those figures who in some way like I can't remember not being cognizant of them Mm. Um, and for me um, for some reason my extremely uh, cheap middle class parents jumped on the cable bandwagon really early uh, so we, your brain suffered major consequences from that. Yeah, it was it was not good. <laughs> uh, it was not good for me in retrospect. Um, but that meant that we had MTV, and even in the eighties, I wasn't that interested in it. But we had a babysitter who was somehow always available because she loved to come over and watch MTV. Okay, that is such an eighties story. If you're born even like ten years later, I might as well be talking about phonograph records or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like I picked up some stuff about Madonna through like osmosis. And then when I actually started mainlining MTV on my own around uh, probably like 1992-ish or so, like Madonna was still a big fixture. And I mean, obviously people who were lived through it remember that like that was almost arguably more important than radio for how you got your music. Um, yeah, for so, sure. So like, yeah, if you, had cable. I, if you, but yeah, but just that was how buzz got started too. Like you would get on the radio because you were on MTV. It was mm-hmm. almost like radio was the secondary thing. Um, so yeah, like that's, I remember always like knowing about Madonna and, but it was one of those things where if you were a dude, it wasn't cool to like Madonna so I didn't really start listening. Like, I knew the hits and whatnot, um, and I didn't really develop a, enough of an actual brain to, like, admit, like, I heard a lot of bangers by this Madonna lady <laughs> until I was into my 20s. What about you, Joe? Um, my, my two earliest memories, I'm not sure which one of these would have taken place first, and I think one of them I've just made up in my brain. But I, I had a mem- memory of seeing her on the MTV Music Awards at a sleepover because my friend had cable. But I was looking at the years that she performed in it today, and, and I, it just doesn't make any sense. It, there's no way it could have that could have happened. I mean, she mm-hmm. was on those MTV Awards a lot. But it, and I remember also, her performing, though. And, but they and, also, like, you know, in those days, MTV would replay stuff all the time. Yeah. That's... I, just, I feel like I was watching a show, but it's possible they were showing yeah. a past performance or something. Yeah. For, and, but I knew it was that year's show, though. But um, yeah, I don't know. But but the other one would be seeing her in Dick Tracy was my, probably my first extended oh, exposure yeah. to her. Yeah, because I would have my, been like I don't know eight or nine when that came out. I think. Yeah, that movie was huge for me, and I was going to mention my mom almost didn't let me go because she knew Madonna was in it. That's, <laughs> oh wow! That, that's that's the type of reputation Madonna had in 1990. Uh, I I other than that though, I have really no. Uh, feelings about her one way or the other uh i'll like you know once in a while i'll hear a song like um like a prayer or something like that and and i'll just like sort of idly think like that's a pretty good song but i i really don't like that it's just not my thing like pop music like that 
I tried I was listening to her greatest hits today and I just can't I couldn't even wrap my head around how somebody could listen to like Madonna for more than one song in a row. Um, wow. But that's okay. just like like this that that style of music I think is is for me the most boring music possible. Uh, so, but I, I I don't like care if other people like I don't have it just I just don't care about it I just it, it provokes no emotions or feelings from me at all just com- completely utterly boring. So that's that's interesting because um, similar to like I mean both of you said it, but like she's just been always in the ether in our lives like I you know like I don't remember like learning about Madonna because like she's always been there. Um, there there was never a hey have you guys heard madonna <laughs> yeah her? like she's <laughs> she's always been there but so i just like, never like i i was never really in spaces or listening to the kinds of radio stations or that where i would ever like really hear her music so i was i tried to listen to as much of that two disc greatest hits as i could because i was like well there's got to be way more madonna songs that i know that i just don't know that i know mm-hmm. and, and a lot of them i just haven't heard in i don't know forever so like that hung up song yeah, the one that uh, I was like, like I think that was big when we were in high school. That yeah. sounds about right to me. And I was, and I remember hearing it when it came out and stuff. And I remember like, it's like, oh, it's kind of a, it's kind of a bop, you know. And then, then it, like ninety seconds of it had gone by, and I'm like, oh, this is just repeats itself over and over again for like six minutes. So I guess my final take on Madonna is just like, I can't imagine listening to it unless you're like at a club dancing to it. But the idea of just wow. like sitting in a chair and listening to Madonna for an extended period of time just seems like psycho to me. But that's that's more about Psycho. me. That's more about me than other people. That's just not my taste. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't sit in a chair and just listen to music in general. As well, like when they're working, to engage with it. Well, okay, I, you made it sound like you just sit on like a little chair with a discman and hit play. He goes in that dark room like his dad. And yeah, listens to... I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I... <laughs> just blasts this music. Um, yeah, I Dick Tracy for me as well, and um. I have to be honest. I I think for a long time I really resisted, um, pop music and even and even like female driven pop music for a long time. Just well, because that's because it's drilled. A... It's your condition to especially yeah. At the time, Madonna was for women and gay guys. Yep. And and I even though I you know I mean honestly it would probably be, God last five years finally that 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 viewpoint finally changed i mean a lot of it would be duff your insistence among some other friends about like carly ray <laughs> and like other female singers and then now like last week from metallica which i mentioned last week was one of my favorite like the first rock band i really loved as a kid and so i listened to a bunch of metallica last week in preparation for this episode or last week's episode and then this week i did the same thing for madonna and i'll be honest i'm the opposite of joe I can get rid of Metallica out of my life. I way more enjoy Madonna in my life now than I do than I do Metallica, which if you would have told 15-year-old Rob that, he would have revolted pretty strongly. He, he would have stomped your ass and used a, an he inappropriate, himself, inappropriate word. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm a fan of female-driven pop a lot, a lot. Like, I, one of my Spotify playlists is just that. Um, and that's a lot because of, of you, Duff. So thank you for yeah, your influence. You're welcome. Okay. So this documentary, all right? Madonna, Truth or Dare. Yeah. So this this comes out in 91. It is essentially, it starts out eventually, like the idea behind this was they, they got this director and they were like, you're going to do a concert film. 
and then they go to Tokyo and they do a concert film and then they essentially decide this should be more in a concert film. We're going to like do backstage tons yeah. of access of like what happens backstage. So there is there is concert footage in this movie. There's probably like five numbers, maybe six numbers, maybe. There's no real narrative beyond that. Six no. sounds right. Yeah. yeah, it's probably six 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 numbers which are in, in color and you know typical concert footage, and then the to rest. Of emphasis it, on typical because it was almost breathtakingly pedestrian like filming of of those concerts. I was I was, I mean. I was like kind of surprised because of how much money they spent on this for a documentary, you know? And I was like, man, this, this isn't filmed very well. It's not bad either. It's just really just thoroughly average. um, That's kind of this movie as a whole to me. It is just down the, down the road. Meh. rest of it is essentially black and white footage of her complaining. I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily go that far. I mean, there's she's, complaining. She's part working of it. through some stuff. <laughs> yes, uh, it's a ran- lot of it. Random celebrities pop in and out. Uh, and also, a big thing about like the a lot of like the backstage, um, the dancers and some of the other people are uh, a, a, a lot a part of this movie as well. So we see as this 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 uh, blonde ambition tour, which is like a really important tour in the history of music tours. I think that's a fair statement. Correct. Yeah, it was just very lavish and theatrical and expensive. Which is like a, a which wasn't happening a ton, especially from a female singer, a female artist. Yeah. Um, and so it starts. Um, essentially, it's like a three-legged tour where they go to Europe and then they go to the U.S. and then they go back to Europe, and you know the big things that happen are essentially, uh, we see her with Warren Beatty and then no longer with Warren Beatty. We see um, the Toronto doesn't want her to perform because of the like a virgin masturbation uh, <laughs> uh, stuff. The Vatican gets involved when they're in um, when they're in, uh, in 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 the uh, sorry in, in Europe. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where things are. Yeah, and right. uh, it is a they, scat- uh, it is a scattershot movie. Yeah, I mean it's 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 clearly like here's a bunch of footage. Now, now I was reading that originally the filmmaker put together a three-hour cut. Oh my god! And he showed it, and uh, Madonna was like, "Yeah, that looks good." And then um, uh, Wein- the Weinstein's were like, "You can't do a three-hour one. You got to cut an hour out of it." And then uh, cut an hour out of it, and then release this, and ends up being up until Bowling for Columbine, the I don't know the best big, biggest grossing documentary until then for about 10 years that sounds right um but yeah to to joe's and duff's point there's not like outside of like this is a it, it is a it is madonna and the crew on tour that's the story there's the beginning of the tour there's the 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 steps along the way and then there's the end of the tour that's sort of it there's no like it feels like the predecessor to what would become uh like Kardashians or one of those Real Housewives shows, where where there might be a little bit of drama, but there's like usually nothing huge happens, and it's just kind of a slice of life thing. Mm-hmm. Except it's a really high budget documentary about at the time the biggest pop star in the world. 
that's, that's an interesting point because there's lots of scenes in it and i'm thank god you're saying this stuff because man I, I watched this movie and i i was came out of it like this is the most boring movie we've ever oh my god done. I, I couldn't i couldn't believe how boring but you it also was. don't like female singers that's that not true stars. at all <laughs> okay so i will say i actually got bored too like i hmm, i right like the second half was a real slog like it's just and part of that might be just because um in addition to madonna has always been around in our lives like you always knew stuff about madonna often against your will like you just somehow absorbed it sure and so there was like none of this really seemed after a point super interesting or riveting just because it's (laughs) it's almost you know a parallel is kind of like there's not a lot left to find out about madonna like she's a pretty open book <laughs> sure but i mean when this comes out a lot of that stuff might not i mean i know I, 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 I guess i think that this would have been at least if you're a fan more interesting when it came out but 30 years removed it's just kind of this cultural artifact and i i think it's fine but it's thoroughly average I, I guess my thought is, I mean, outside of the production aspect or whatever, from like a filmmaking perspective, the idea of taking one of the biggest stars of the 20th century at the height of their fame, them doing a huge tour and having all that access to it, I find interesting. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think I can't it's, think of anything else we have like that. It's I don't know anyone else would have given that unguarded access to them. Um, so it's interesting in that regard. But then the flip side of that is Madonna gave unguarded access to almost everyone. So it, it's not entirely special. Sure. And and I think your your comment about it, the reality TV thing, I think is interesting because I've read stuff that said something similar that this is, you know, this kind of like bursts the beginning of reality TV where you have, you know, famous to, well, now it's not even that famous people. But the idea of, like, what if we just follow them around and watch interactions and you get celebrity cameos and you get all that stuff that, you know, that their lives are full of. But when you're, you know, when you're us is a a new thing to The people want to see Kevin Costner uh, um, awkwardly stumble away (laughs) after saying (laughs) saying that Madonna's show was neat. Yeah, that the I, I enjoyed all the like the celebrity stuff or like a young Antonio Banderas. It w- like... it was pretty wild. It was also wild that this was before Antonio Banderas was actually famous, so she had yeah. to explain who he was and how she knew him from his like Pedro Almodovar movies. Yeah, um, I found that interesting. Now, from a filmmaker perspective, maybe this would uh, originally David Fincher was going to do this. Yeah, because he did one, maybe more he of her videos. A couple of her music videos. Yeah. So he was going to do it. Now, I don't, I can't imagine at that point the idea was it to be a documentary. I'm sure it would have just been a concert footage, like a concert film at that point. I just uh, can't imagine Fincher. <laughs> has he ever, Joe, has he ever done anything biographical or biography wise? Well, a social network. I, I meant like an actual like documentary. Like, yeah, or sorry, yeah, that's I used the wrong word. Yeah, documentary. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, it's interesting to see. So apparently, this guy apparently he was only twenty six when he did this, and it was I think she had seen like a student film of this guy's and at NYU and hired him based off that, 
which is wild. Yeah, those were, <laughs> I mean, people kind of, well, I won't say knock, but there's kind of, uh, I think, a, a romanticization of the music video era uh, that isn't quite accurate. But one thing it did is that it gave a lot of directors their big shot and that that was a way to go from like film school to being a director. Oh yeah, for sure. Like David Fincher, Michael Bay, um, Michelle Gondry. Yeah. Like there's a lot of people where they just made a ton of music videos and then that was their stepping stone. And you don't have that. I mean, you still have that a little bit, but it was so huge at the time. Money doesn't get, there's no budget for music videos anymore. Like there was in the eighties and nineties. That's yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. There's no, I mean, put them on YouTube. <laughs> like there's not really a, yeah, there's really no reason behind them. One of the few, few scenes that I thought was like kind of funny and interesting was when Warren Beatty like clearly cannot stand being around her every second that he's in this movie. God, yeah. he does and, not come off well. <laughs> well, no. I, I th- but I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, you 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 come from the point of thinking this is dumb, anyways. So of course you would. Right? No, I, I, mean, I, I, I. Well, I mean, I'm thinking about the scene where she's getting a doctor's diagnosis, and he's just like asked the question of whether this wants to be on camera or not, and he kind of talks about how what's the point of saying anything if it's not on camera, and he, and he's clearly like really frustrated with how, basically what you guys are saying, how transparent she is, and how she uses that unfiltered personality and puts everything out there to draw attention to herself. And, and it worked out great for her and I'm not criticizing it either. I'm just saying it's clear, like, like he, he's not into that at all. And sort of the way it's shot and the tone of his comments just reminded me a lot of, of reality shows uh, depicting people's relationships. Yeah. It's almost like the, the doc, the uh, kind of the documentary, like, you know, now we cut to them in a room later on, like that type of thing. That's almost what Warren Beatty feels like in this movie, is like they whisked him away and he got to talk on his own and they interspliced it, but it's not. And he, uh, it's funny, like really soon after this, what, within a year or two, he married Annette Benning. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder, like, I while I was watching it, I was just like, you could sort of see him just sort of like, a part of his personality dying and him just being like, I don't want to do this anymore. He is, he is just seething with contempt in this movie. (laughs) The other thing is the scene where he's hanging out with Madonna and her dancers. He looks like the pathetic, the pathetic cool dad who comes in like, Hey guys, what's up? How was the game last night? But it also seems like he, he's ultra aware that he doesn't want to be there and doesn't belong there too. Well, he's 50 years old. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> he's got to be thinking, like, what the hell am I doing? It, sure... it seems like he finally reached that moment where he's like, I can't just keep dating women in their 20s anymore. I've, I've gotten to the point where I can't relate to them. So. That is interesting. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, yeah. like, if you go back, can you see Warren Beatty in real time, like, have a midlife crisis? Like... <laughs> I, that's what I'm, that's exactly, you put it better than me, but I, I felt like in that scene, in his scenes, you were seeing that happening. He just seemed so out of place and so contemptuous of probably himself now that we're talking this out. Yeah, I mean, also you kind of have the Costner moment is that too, but you also have like this sort of clash of, you know, this 
this sort of Madonna's challenging barriers of sexuality and just how out there she is versus like Kevin Costner, who is like, you know, uh, Midland <laughs> yeah. America's acting hero. And and that was something that like it was an earlier draft of our agenda that you're going to bring up of like, who would you most like to blow off backstage? And that, yeah. that Kevin Costner moment, that must happen constantly if you're like a pop star or a famous musician or a famous actor or something like, hey, we sh- you two should meet. And like a mutual acquaintance or your agent or your publicist like brings this person over to you. And literally the only thing you have in common is that you're both famous. Yeah. And th- that's the odds of uh, you hitting it off are ju- the same as you being introduced to a stranger at the grocery store. You know, like you really don't have anything in common. No. It remind it. It also reminds me of when it'll be the Super Bowl or the World Series, and whatever network has it on. It's like now let's check in with the cast of CSI, and they <laughs> yeah. show and sitting in the stands. Yeah, and they'll just Rob Lowe sudden, in his NFL hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they'll flash over to like Kiefer Sutherland on his phone or something, <laughs> sitting on top yeah. of three phone books so he can yeah. show up on the camera. See, they're just like us. I mean, I think she even says something like about that in the documentary about like the, the having to meet all these celebrities just because they're both famous and isn't Pacino um, in this movie and Pacino's blink, in it a for blink, a little bit. Blink and you'll miss it. Second, yeah, yeah. Uh, Oprah gets a little shade from Madonna at yep. one point uh, in it. Um, yeah. So the other thing, so um, I want to talk about the background dancers because I find that whole story fascinating and sort of the backstory behind all this as well at this point to me the ba- the dancers are more interesting than madonna I, yeah I at least at least in this movie i think you're right i mean I, I think i think their stuff is really interesting like i i was compelled like when we have that the one background singer who um is like he's about to meet his like see his dad for the first time in five years and he's like nervously waiting to like talk to his dad like i i those are the parts of the movie that the documentary that I, I don't know, I found actually pretty touching. Um, but, you know, this movie's kind of, it's once again, it's hard to look at this 30 years out, but at the time, the idea of, like, seeing Madonna with a mostly gay background dancers and it being fine, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's, they're, it's just, like, the way, I mean, it, it's the way it's, they're treated as just, they're not, they're just they're just the background like she's friends with them yeah and they interact and they hang out and they have conversations and it's not weird at all i think is is something why this movie uh seems to really uh have a big following of like lgbtq plus um fans i mean and madonna and, in general is in madonna gay, in general is a gay yeah. icon I, that goes hand in hand though right i mean being yeah. you know yeah. when like a prayer came out which was what 87 the album 88 yeah. Late, late eighties. Yeah, it had like you know the print had like a HIV thing that she put in there about like the importance of like you know safe sex and HIV, which is like eighty seven. That seems pretty early to be putting that in, considering like it took about four or five years for the national discourse to get to what it did. And AIDS. I remember her; she did a PSA about safe sex that was on MTV all the time from the ad the ad council. So. So a couple things on the background dancers. So um, this movie comes out, and a couple of the dancers sued because um, 
related to that point, this is all access documentary. They had information about them being gay, which they didn't want people to know. But they had, so then it gets this whole thing where they had signed releases and the whole thing. So that happens. And then I was huh. reading, there's a, um, a, so it goes back to Joe's point about like Beatty's point too, which is like Madonna's fine for having her entire life out there. But most people aren't that way. And yeah. you have these dancers who, you know, really weren't that way. So um, she, so she, they didn't want this movie to come out? The couple of them didn't want stuff that they, of scenes of them in to come out. Oh, and I, that's a bummer, man. And I don't think that Madonna was malicious or trying to no. trick people. I think it's just what you said, that it's, they probably didn't realize that, this was going to be this kind of like just slice of life brutal you know they they probably didn't think they would be featured as much as they were they probably like oh yeah we'll be in the background and the cameras are all around but they won't use this at least that's my my take yeah i mean although they do i mean there's a ton of footage of like some of them just i mean maybe that's not one of the guys that sued though you know like just them in the hotel room madonna's not there yeah um but yeah, so that happened. So then it gets even more interesting is um, a few years ago, a documentary came out called Strike a Pose, where they went back to talk to some of the the um, the actors that were in it or the dancers that were in it. And like um, the the guy, the guy in the Truth or Dare who shows his, who shows his penis. Yeah, he had AIDS during that and knew it and didn't tell anyone and there was two other dancers in that group of seven who also had AIDS so like I mean it was it was you know we see the little bit in the movie about like one of her friends had died and they do that show for it but like thinking that now watching and thinking that like you know one at least one of them had AIDS at that point a couple other ones either did or you know later on become HIV positive it's just I didn't know that that's that's pretty wild yeah, so this documentary, I've not seen it, but it's called Strike a Pose, and they talked to some of the other dancers, and I think they even mentioned about, like, when they'd sued, and then they, you know, they settled. Like, I think they kind of mentioned that, looking back, they just, they don't think Madonna was in the wrong, they just weren't ready. Yeah, yeah. It's, that would have been terrifying. So, um, yeah, for sure. So, I find that fascinating. And the other thing, and this is uh, this is Midnight Boys content here. We got to talk about Madonna's brothers. Uh, it's like, that is exactly what I'm looking for in a documentary about a famous person is like failed children, failed siblings. Oh, boy. Hanger on. Yeah, this that's family. what I love. Oh, boy. Okay. There's kind of, she's got a lot of siblings. I mean, like the Madonna story, I find fascinating because, like, you know, I we always love to have the stories of like the midwestern person that goes to the coast and makes it big it, it's it rarely happens and uh she's literally like, the american dream <laughs> the uh the oral history of mtv book uh, that yeah. i duff you read that too right or, yeah it's been it's been years but yeah it's very that has a lot of stories about madonna in her very early days like working okay. her way up and if you're a madonna fan uh well, if you're a fan of music in general, I highly recommend reading that book. It's very entertaining. But the, yeah. the Madonna stories stuck out to me as being, she seems like a really canny operator. And I mean that as a uh, compliment. Oh, she's super smart. Uh, she's, yeah, uh, she's smart, but also like business sense is high and works hard. And it, to, to the detriment, right? Like she probably cares more about her work than anything else. Yeah. Um, okay. Like so us. she's. Yeah. 
she's got seven siblings. All right. Now that's too uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, so the let's talk about one. One is um is Chris. You saw him, he was the guy who was like uh tour like he was the one who was like the hanger on essentially, but like was part of the crew and would help like was you he know, the one that he was, was saying like he can tell her what's what or whatever? And they I think like, so. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. that interview. So they work together for a while until they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened, and then he writes a tell-all book about how awful she is, oh and my then God. that caused issues with the family. <laughs> oh, did it? <laughs> and I think they maybe have made up yet. Okay, so that's Chris. All right, so then you can't with a family like that. He had to have gone by Chrissy. Yeah. Well, they're uh, they're they're uh, Catholic, so Christopher. <laughs> yeah, I'm just Christopher. thinking. Of, I'm just thinking. Of, yeah, yes. the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. So Martin, who we do see in it, I think he's the guy who is, she's is like he, he's crazy. Okay. Um, see the guy that tries to visit visit her, but she's already sleeping. Yes. Okay. I think so. Unless that was Tony. Just listen. There's a lot of time. <laughs> So Marty, is there anyone uh, without the stereotypical Italian American name? Uh, her siblings are Paula, Christopher, Melanie, Anthony, Martin, Mario, Jennifer. <laughs> that is a Sopranos extras <laughs> call right there. <laughs> okay, so so Martin ends up having some pretty big alcohol abuse issues, DUI arrests, time in jail, multiple stints in rehab. Well, I have good news. I read a story from 2013. At that point, he was 56. He had turned his life around, and uh, his sister Madonna was going to buy him some new teeth. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so he, at that point, he had been sober for about a year. Uh, right. He said he was going to. He said, we're on good terms, and she's helping me out. She's getting me some new teeth. I'm hoping to start doing voiceover work again for cartoons and video games and get back on my feet. All right. Uh, good for him. So I don't entirely know what happened with Martin. I let's hope it went well. I bet all, I'm sure all these siblings. The full story is a tale in itself. Like uh, <laughs> this is from 2017. She's got another brother, Anthony. He's got it worse than Martin, guys. Um, oh no! He has been. I think he's been sleeping underneath a bridge in a small <laughs> town in Michigan for seven years. Seven. Um, wow. He. <laughs> Like, apparently there's been a lot of times that she's reached out to, like, help him out, but then, you know, it doesn't work out or doesn't do it. So there's a lot of back and forth on there. Um, apparently, if his life first went off the rails in 99, um, his girlfriend left him. And then in 20, 2005, because he ended up, like, having a real rough time, 2005, his family hires him in the winemaking business, the vineyard that they had <laughs> set up. But five years later, he was. This isn't funny, but I don't know what else to do. Five years later, he was sacked by his dad and stepmom after being found sprawled on his back, guzzing wine straight from the vats. Uh. <laughs> straight from the vats? Come on. So um, that's like like yeah. Dewey Cox addict behavior. <laughs> it's wild, man. So yeah, it's Anthony, Martin, Paula, Christopher, and Melanie were her siblings, and then she has two half siblings, which are Mario and Jennifer. Because and their and their last name is Sacone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the other uh, thing we have to bring up is, and maybe only Duff wants to talk about this, but can we talk about Moira McFarland? 
who is her like is that the makeup friend? Lady? No, Moira McFarlane. Oh, the oh yeah, lady. yeah. That she wanted her, her to be the godmother of her. There, oh there are God. two. There are two. That real was uncomfortable. Tra- too. There are two real train wreck women in this movie. One of yeah. whom is uh, I think it's Sharon, her stylist, who seems very nice. But I feel mm-hmm. bad for her. Sharon. Oh. Sharon is just kind of awkward and weird and. It takes a turn later when Sharon has a, a, a sexual assault or she gets date raped. Yeah, and so- in, in in this movie, like we talked about, like some of these things that are you know nice that they're so open minded about, but then you know it's also a very nineteen ninety energy in that this woman gets date raped and it's just like, well, next time that don't happens. do it. <laughs> yeah, like it's awful. It's just like not a big deal. Yeah, and then Madonna's like small, her uh, childhood friend shows up oh, with her boy. with her kids, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of there's some fuzzy memories and unreliable narrators about what they may or may not have done as kids. Yeah, yeah, Moira McFarlane, who was uh, Madonna said was like her idol growing up, like the older girl she idolized, um, had a rough life. Moira says herself a lot of a lot of drugs and alcohol. Um, and the most shocking thing about that is I think uh, towards the end, she's like mentions when Madonna's mom died and, you know, she didn't know what to do. And she was like, wow, I was only two years older. And I was like, you're only two years older than Madonna. You look 200 years older. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my God. She's looking pretty rough. Yeah. I felt bad. Uh, oh, boy. We also have to mention it's called Truth or Dare for a reason, because at the end of the movie, um, her and the dancers um, play Truth or Dare, and uh, she does something to a bottle, guys. Fellatio. Yep. It's exciting. And it is. Uh, it's more entertaining than you would think. Um, <laughs> Why is that, Rob? Elaborate. Uh, that's because I've never drank out of a bottle that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Are you going to try it? <laughs> is that a dare? Yeah, there's your dare. <laughs> Turn on your webcam. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, we sort of touched about a lot about this, but I know um, we mentioned MTV, but like this 80s superstar trio of Michael Jackson, Prince and Madonna is pretty wild. When you factor in like cultural impact, I think there's Michael Jackson and everyone else. But when you break it down to kind of, you know, numbers and who had the most hits and albums and popularity on the radio and things like that, it was actually a lot closer than i would have thought in the 80s and um madonna had seven number one songs uh michael jackson had nine and that's if you count we are the world and that song you did with paul mccartney that sucks uh <laughs> say 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 yeah say 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 uh prince only had prince had four mm-hmm. and then uh she had 19 top 20 songs michael jackson had 18 prince had 16 and they all had three number one albums. Who who do you think is the biggest icon of our lives? Like they uh, that's going to be music. Just what like when I was thinking about this, the two people, the only person I could think of that I think legitimately is over Madonna is Michael Jordan. Yeah, he's a big one. I mean, I would say Michael Jackson is in the same way as Madonna is just embedded into everything about America in our lifetime. Yeah, just the pedophilia yeah. really dampens it. <laughs> I'm, hey, you know, iconic doesn't have to be good. <laughs> I think it's. I think Rob's right. I think it's Jordan for sure. That's a solid answer. I mean, I I don't 
I can't say you're wrong. As I think I think, they're in, I think they're in the same stratosphere. He's sustained. Oh, yeah. He's he's still a, a, like a big deal for better or worse. I mean, he's a total psycho and a jerk, but like <laughs> young people know who he is. You know, like yeah. I don't know. I don't know how meaningful Michael Jackson is to people who are a lot younger than us. And and I, I'm saying that like, I genuinely don't know. Um, Duff, you have a question. I know. In case anyone out there uh, does not remember, there was a big Pepsi ad controversy with Madonna. <laughs> Around the same time as all this. Yeah. Which in uh, something that is still kind of mind boggling to me, like Pepsi's thing is always, as like, yeah, we partner with the biggest musical artists. <laughs> which okay like when they mm-hmm. set michael jackson's hair on fire <laughs> <laughs> so it's like 1988 89 and madonna is arguably the biggest pop star on the planet this is kind of between albums for michael jackson and so pepsi's like we'll give you five million dollars if you make an ad for us and we can use like a prayer and madonna's like oh hell yeah um and pepsi didn't bother to really check with madonna about Hey, you're not going to do anything to embarrass us, are you? <laughs> and then Madonna released the video, the actual music video. Wasn't it like the next day? Something like that. It was like, within days of I think it was the next day. I think it was a big Super Bowl commercial. And then, yeah, like later. It's during the Grammys. Oh, okay. So it was a big, it was back in the day when like there were big event commercials. So then a little after the actual music video for Like a Prayer comes out and there's black saints and it's a whole thing about racism and there's bur- <laughs> crosses burning there's burning crosses in the background and pepsi flips out and just <laughs> and just pulls the ad but lets her keep the money so win-win for madonna so my question is uh what is your pepsi controversy <laughs> <laughs> well first of all I, what was so remarkable to me is i had forgotten about this and it's really funny that pepsi has embarrassed themselves with with uh something like this twice now do you remember that kendall jenner commercial oh yeah and if you count oh, yeah. and if you count the michael jackson thing three times they do <laughs> yes. they do not have a good track record with celebrities and no they should really fire that ad agency <laughs> that kendall jenner ad i is maybe the worst commercial of all time it's so hilariously bad <laughs> I, I saw it live and I my jaw dropped. I could not believe what I was seeing. So if you were up, if we were pop stars, like what? How would we get in trouble? Well, we can also go once again. We'll say uh, Spotify bought our podcast, but then okay. but then the next day uh, something is unearthed that was totally predictable, but <laughs> but uh, it results in Spotify uh, ending the deal. So uh, the Xbox tapes, the Xbox tapes. <laughs> So uh, someone leaks all the stuff Rob and I have said over how many years now since Xbox over, Live was a thing? Yeah, 10 years and thousands of hours playing Xbox on Party Chat. They leak the like it would 30 be, best minutes of content. If it, with a skilled editor, you, you bring in Travolta's character from Blowout to really work on this mix, and boy, would it be dark. <laughs> Yeah, for sure the Xbox tapes. Yeah, I'm sorry to give the same answer, but Rob and no. I, it's a combined answer, the Xbox That's tapes. That's a good one. Um, mine is not so much out of, like, controversy, but just out of embarrassment. Is that, <laughs> uh, Spotify would find out there was that semester I was involved with comedy sports during college. <laughs> Duff does improv. Are there any tapes of that? No, thank God. This was pre-smartphone. No one brought a camcorder bag. in there? Nope. 
This was guy would have been two thousand. You don't know this. I mean, it was in the Pizza Hut. It was in the Pizza Hut bed, the, the back room of a Pizza Hut on State Street. The, the old fabled sit-down Pizza Huts. Yeah, I don't even know if those exist anymore. They're a dying breed. Yeah, they exist. They exist. Really? The, I haven't seen one in a long time. Maybe in small towns. I. In the real America. Tell you what, boy. They have sitting down at Pizza Hut when you were a kid, and they bring out that black pan with your with your bucket pan pizza. Oh boy, that's Fam- fine. Now imagine, now imagine if your family had to drive an hour to do that. Oh, I mean that makes it even more special. But it was that's it was true. it was incredibly special. Uh, go get every some, time we got get to some go. pizza, get some bad improv. <laughs> that's um, a good question. That's good. That's good. So okay. So we, I, one, I know all three of us are kind of excited by this to just sort of see the figures moving in and out. And, and I would agree to some, it didn't totally disappoint. Like the Kevin Costner scene is, is undeniably funny and his hair <laughs> yeah. is hilarious. He looks like yes. he just got out of bed. It's like dances of wolves. Costner. He has, he has a mullet, but it's not even really combed. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it doesn't it's, have, it's a, it's a mullet without soul. Is how yeah. I would describe it. It just looks very loose. That's a good way to put it. It needs it needs some some flair to it. Some was curls. He, something was he, going on. Was he growing out his Robin Hood mullet? Is that what this was? Oh my god! Probably. Maybe that's why it looks so so unkempt. It's <laughs> Rob. I just remember Robin Hood was early '90s, and this was '91, 1990. Yeah, because Dance of Wolves was '90, and then this this tour. It could be between Dan. Yeah, he could. It could be for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, that makes it so much funnier. So, what you guys are are as famous and powerful as Madonna. What's your backstage scene like? What are who's there, or like what are the demands that you're making? What are you eating? Like, what's happening backstage at your show? Ooh, what's what's in my rider? <laughs> yeah, you can answer it that way, or you could just 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 describe the scene, like like. Uh, what, what you're 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 uh what's the is it still the target center in minneapolis yeah target center or the xl center okay you, ju- you just played whichever one of those is bigger god i got i even saw this question earlier i'm still thinking on it i there there is a part of me who feels that like there are parts of madonna's personality in this movie that i can relate to um a little bit like <laughs> even though it's mean like when the microphones keep going out and she loses it, I think I'd be mad too. The meticulousness, uh, I think I would be guilty of that at times. Um, I I would like to think, I think I'd have, I think I mean, listen, there would be big nerd energy. I feel like in my back. <laughs> would, in well, how many different gaming systems would be on your rider? There would be a lot of gaming. There would be need a, there would, need, like, need a fiber line. You're not going to use that that public Wi-Fi. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. There would it would just be really nerdy. I mean, I'd have to have like it'd just be laptops and gaming <laughs> systems. And God, what a loser! Do you know like like <laughs> you know you're in nerd territory when you say laptops plural and you just don't you just keep going. <laughs> yeah, why do you need more than one? Are you gonna have a LAN party after every show? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I just feel like you, I mean, you send sure. you send your entourage out to find people that want to play Quake afterwards. <laughs> I would, I would for sure. There would be cocktails. I would enjoy my cocktails, cocktails and pizza after every show. <laughs> yeah, but if you're famous, you can't do cool stuff like that because you have to stay slim. Yeah, but 
Well, I would have my Peloton with. Or would you? Are you going meet the? Are you going the meatloaf route? Where you're just like, I'm just a big pop star. I'm a big guy. That's my thing. Um. Well, he'd, uh, he'd be like Vince Neil, who still dresses like he weighs 150 <laughs> pounds. I would just only eat once a day. That's what I would do. Oh my god, that's not how it works. <laughs> I would just do all my meals right then. This is you asked so, me. So answer, you would, so you no, would. No, I like, like it. I'm not criticizing it. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. I'm just envisioning. I'm wondering how long it would take you before you passed out if you did like a show under hot lights with a lot of movement <laughs> and you haven't eaten anything in like 18 hours. <laughs> yes. In like 17 hours. Like the backstage footage of you, like before the encore, is you just wolfing down three slices of Little Caesars really quick. <laughs> And the like the interview like afterwards once I passed out like what happened like well I really wanted to have my pizza and cocktails at the end so I hadn't eaten in 17 hours because I need to keep this body. Oh God, you you're sending out advanced scouts to find where the good pizza places are. Oh yeah, I mean I'm rich. I'm like I want the best pizza in the town and from in the in. The three best cocktails the city has. And don't trust those Yelp reviews. You find good, good, reliable sources. Yeah, you talk to the locals. Yeah. Why, wouldn't you just travel with a good bartender? No. Why? I'd rather just try the different things I, in different cities. I actually, while the, the pro bartender is tempting, I'm with Rob. Exper- experience what America has to offer. And, yep. and the world. And the world. I've thought about it, and honestly, like, just since like social interaction makes me tired i know like i i have all these like <laughs> this grand... <is> so late. <laughs> oh god me too don't get me wrong mine is uh, also gonna be lame so like i'm just gonna be like look you're gonna get me like the the best napping uh and it's not a bed because everyone knows the best naps they don't happen on beds it's on a couch but like, it, there's gonna be like a lot of really particular things, like like uh, climate control, and he's something for white noise. And then, <laughs> I agree with you. Um, but there's also, uh, m- much like Rob and his cocktails, I'm probably just gonna have someone to secure me like the the best local weed. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like travel around like kevin durant just like looking for the best strains that to offer in every town you I'm, go to i'm gonna send send my crew out to the streets uh to get the good stuff <laughs> so basically we would we would walk back st- i'm just for each of you like <laughs> so we walk back into rob's dressing room and we just see the sort of like light blue glow of many different screens <laughs> the smell of melted cheese and dough <laughs> and the sound of a cocktail being stirred and, and just and just with a headset on just <laughs> can you imagine me ending shows early so i could play with my buds yeah. on time? Like, yeah i gotta no, hurry up my, my friends on the east coast so we gotta wrap this up and then for duff we, we, would, we would i would walk back into his room and there'd just be a haze of of uh smoke and then just lots of blankets and pillows everywhere yep. <laughs> which actually sounds in a, sort of out of context really cool but i'm sure you'd make it a way for it to not be <laughs> and what do you got joe yeah, I, so I think like what from what I've read, like well, from what I've read, I've never actually done anything cool. But like, it seems like like bands have a lot of trouble with that period after the show is over. Like you ride on that incredible high, mm-hmm. the, then you walk backstage and the crowd is gone, and like then now what? Like obviously you can't just go to sleep, <laughs> and you're just like looking for ways to keep it going. And it seems like like artists nowadays are 
you know don't party like the artists of our youth which is which is good look at it as a career more so than i think i i think i would really have a lot of trouble with that too but i i think i would probably if i'm thinking of like artists from the little i know of uh, of them that i would probably be most like i'd probably be most like eddie vetter where uh I think I just want like a lot of really good bottles of wine, and I just think I'd just be bringing bottles of wine on stage, and, okay. uh, and then I'd just be going backstage and just like kind of finishing them off and like talking to my buds. I, I don't really think I would be too demanding in that respect because I am super like uncomfortable about asking people for things and putting people out. So I think I'd maybe be deferential to a fault. Which is why I would need somebody like Rob to be with me, who would not put up with with crap. You you need your Lars. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and uh, so I I don't know. I I I came up with this question, but then I I think my my answer would be somewhere like a mix of both of yours. Like I I would just want to be rich enough to where I could like fly my friends out to visit me all the time. Like, I don't want to have an entourage, you know, of people that are just, like, depending on me for a livelihood. But yeah. I would want it. I think it would be cool enough, cool to be wealthy enough where I could just be like, hey, do you guys want to meet me in Denver? And which would help with your weed thing, Duff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would just, yeah, I would want the best, the best food, some really good wine. And I just want a really comfortable space to hang out with my buds. And ideally, my buds would be in my band also. But that uh, we know enough about rock history to know that that... <laughs> is pretty tenuous our episode next week do you want to kind of uh tease it a little bit yeah so i i we i kind of i didn't pick all of these movies for this season but i i did give like a longer list of stuff i suggested and uh and hype was one of them i i have never seen it and i don't think you guys have either right nope i don't going in cold grunge music like bands like like nirvana and and pearl jam like that was like the music of my like preteen years when you kind of start to like think you know emerge as like a yeah like a teenager right it was when you start to dig into popular culture and and become aware of that kind of thing so i thought like it'd be nice to like kind of dig into something that's a purely generation x thing so i just thought it'd be fun to just sort of dig into that world and just explore instead of exploring an individual like explore a scene Mm -hmm. and uh all of the uh trials and travails of that go with that so it sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. At the very least, even if the movie sucks, then we could just argue about those bands. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we've um, we've got the Doors episode that we mentioned, and uh, we're doing hype next week. We did Metallica last week, and uh, continuing on with the Rock Docs. And if you want to hear more, you can go to Patreon.com. Get out those Jeffos. We'll, you give like us, it? We'll do more. Pick one and give us fifty dollars. Yeah, give us that one Jeffo, and you can have access to all of it. Or twenty-five or, Jeffos for or whatever the you want. grant. Yeah, that's a fifty-dollar bill, right? Yeah, sure. Um, give I, us I a grant. So. Never seen one. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, guys, it's been nice talking uh, Madonna and playing Truth or Dare. <laughs>